Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. I'm really excited because we've been trying to do this for like eight months and we're here at <laughs> 5 a.m., <laughs> butt crack of dawn. I'm here with Shauna Armate. Shauna, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. And Shauna has a five-month-old, so if we hear some stuff in the background, that's just her taking care of her family, which is awesome. And I'm going to start out by saying we can find you at shaunaarmitage.com, which will be linked in the description. So I want to get started. Tell me, tell, let's go back first mm -hmm. um, at the stuff that was tough and then bring it forward. And I want to know, you know, the who, what, why, how you got through stuff and about the business and why that was launched and what you're doing. Oh my gosh. There's so much tough stuff. Um, but I mean, everybody has that, right? Yes. I think that, you know, I, my journey really started when I got out of college. I didn't go straight to teaching which was with what I went to college for. And I was really afraid to take a teacher test. So I ended up waiting tables for a long time. I went back to school. I got a degree in professional writing. At that point, the economy had really crashed. And it was really hard to get a job. So I had two degrees. I had loans for two degrees. And I had just no job and no prospects, which was terrifying. And my life looked a little different at then because my husband and I got pregnant when I was 21. We were both 21. Um, so while most people are kind of enjoying their, their first year out as an adult, you know, at bars and things like that, six months into it, I, I had gotten pregnant and that just changed everything. So instead of having a wedding, we had a baby instead. And uh, I, I had to wait tables and just, you know, going back and getting a traditional job was harder because I didn't have anything set up in place. I had to be home to take care of the baby. So I started freelancing on the side and that really led to more opportunities you know i've always been a good writer i've always really enjoyed writing and i started working for this marketing company this online marketing company and they hired me as their director of digital content and i realized at that point that all this writing all the stuff that i was doing was actually marketing and i had never realized that before so i learned more and more about marketing and that just seemed to be a really happy place for me so I was in different positions, you know, from that point on. And in 2017, I actually left my very nice, cushy, stable job as an SEO coach to work with a friend of mine at a digital agency that he had just started. I thought this was my dream job. I was so excited about it. And things were great at first. A couple of months in, he started hiring people that we didn't really need from his church, he would make friends and he would start hiring them. And then he wasn't really interested. The more men he was like putting on the team, he wasn't really interested in hearing from me anymore. And that was a hard pill to swallow because we had been close and was really personally invested in the growth of his company. And then, you know, it went from just hiring people that we didn't need to working on projects that we didn't need to do. And I would be hearing from the clients you know, this isn't getting done or we're not seeing results or this isn't happening. And when I tried to talk to him about these problems, he, he didn't want to hear it. it. It wasn't my problem. And 
I didn't back down. And about six months after he hired me, he fired me. And I had never been fired from a job before. It right? was mortifying. Um, and not only did he fire me, he fired me three weeks before my husband left for the Middle East for a six-month deployment. My husband's in the Air Force. So here I am. My husband's about to leave. I've got three kids at home, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I thought about getting my traditional job, but my resume, you know, bouncing around from freelance gig to freelance gig doesn't really support that. You know, people don't really like to see that kind of stuff on a resume when they're hiring for a full-time position. Um, and what I ended up doing was just like, no, I love this marketing stuff. I'm good at it. And I think if I just treat people right, that, that they'll stick with me, that they'll be good to me. So I started my own business. And I was really lucky because within the first month, uh, one of the clients, I didn't have uh, a non-compete because I thought I was going to be working with this guy forever. And one of the clients had come over uh, and left his company and started working with me. So I was incredibly lucky that I got my first client basically within my first 30 days of starting up. And so I want to go back for just a second. Yeah. Did you ever have the wedding? Did I ever have what? The wedding? <laughs> Not sort of. I mean, we, got, we did get married. Uh, we were, I, I always um, tell this funny story about when we got together because um, I, I lived in Maine and my husband was in Massachusetts and we knew each other from college, but we were like friendly, not friends. And he messaged yeah. me on Facebook one day. I had moved home um, from college and he's like, hey, um, my cousin's having a wedding in Maine and you're the only person I know in Maine. You want to come with me? And I was like, sure. So we had so much fun at that wedding and we just, it was like our first time that we actually like hanging out outside of work. Um, and we really vibed and we've been together ever since. So he <laughs> moved into my place a month after that wedding. Six months later, we were engaged. Seven months later, we were pregnant. Oh, and wow. then at that point, yeah, <laughs> at that point, we were like, we can't afford to, to have a wedding. Like, we, babies cost money. So uh, anything that we had saved up for the wedding just kind of went out the window. But you still have to have a ceremony in Maine, apparently. So the year before, I got this little black dress when I was in Italy. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to fit into this again. So I wore a little black dress. and we in Maine where I live I was right on the Saco River and there's this beautiful cemetery where a lot of people get married uh that overlooks the water so we had a little ceremony there with like just our parents and his sister and then we went out to eat with some friends that that was our wedding but I always joke that we got married you know me in a little black dress in in the cemetery that's how we started our life <laughs> pregnant yeah, <laughs> I mean, you don't need to do it the traditional way. So was he in the Air Force from the very beginning? He wasn't. Uh, he was actually kind of an old man compared to everybody else when he got in. A lot of people go in right after high school or they get a degree and then they go in as an officer. But we were having a really hard time. He was working at Walmart. He was waiting tables. I was 
staying home with the baby and then waiting tables at night. We didn't see each other. We didn't really love the life we were living, you know, that way. Um, we had to live with family to survive. So when my son was about a year and a half old, he's like, I really thought about doing the military. I really thought about the Air Force when I was in high school. I think I'm going to check it out. And I was like, all right, knock yourself out. And it took a few years. It was after my son's third birthday when he went to basic training. Um, but he had just turned 25 when he went to basic training. So he was at training with like, you know, these 18, 19 year old kids. So at 25, he, he was basically the old man there. But it, we've had a really interesting experience because we were out in the real world. We were doing, you know, some of these tough jobs. I was waiting tables and, and cleaning toilets at that point. And um, then our life really, really changed when he went into the Air Force. We had to move away from friends and family. Um, his, his schedule changed and my, my ability to work changed because not only did we move away, but in the military, you move every couple of years. Yeah. So it's really tough to do a professional position when, when you move every couple of years because they, they want commitment. You know, it costs them money to have to retrain somebody to do that position. So uh, that's kind of when I got into the gig economy and started picking up things. I worked on Elance. It's Upwork now, but it was Elance back in the day. So you, you had, how many kids were born when he joined the military three years into your relationship? Only one. We actually waited okay. a long time to have our second child because the military can actually deny you if you've got too many dependents. Oh. So even if we got pregnant after he had already signed the contract, they could have been like, well, you signed this contract when you only had the wife and the one baby. So we're not going to take you anymore. And, you know, we knew that this was kind of going to be a game changer for us. So we just weren't interested in messing that up in any way, you know? Right. So um, the military was the first big change. Bless you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, moving around, because you guys had never lived outside of the East Coast. That's correct. And then you're right. See, I was military for military dependent for a few years like you are. I didn't mind them moving mm -hmm. and stuff. And I only had one child at the time. I wasn't pregnant when we when he went in. But it was this it was mm -hmm. a similar situation and like I wanted to finish my degree back then and it was almost yeah. women in the military as dependents who get their degree in less than like 15 years. It's astounding. You just, you can't, your stuff doesn't transfer and you lose credits and you're constantly starting back over. And so I totally get it. You can't, you can't be in this perfect corporate job or it's really, really difficult. Um, with education, you would have had to get licensed in every single state you went to. Correct? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it, the military is one of my favorite things. I'm 48 and I would join now if they took me, but yeah, you can't do a lot of things traditionally. You really have to think out of the box. So you were kind of already doing that. I also had little kids and waited tables and cleaned houses. So <laughs> we we have a few similarities here. 
Um, we do for sure. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I wanted to stay, spend more time, especially when my first one was little and cleaning houses and, and working at restaurants and being a nanny, I could have her with me for most of the time. And so yeah, absolutely. I, I, it, it made it so much easier. I didn't, you don't make that much money, but you have a better schedule to work around. So, um, okay. So you waited and you were kind of, it sounds to me like you were kind of already by default accidentally set up for freelancing and having your own business. You just yeah, didn't know I mean, it. <laughs> I, started, I, I, I didn't, I was on the time getting a job and we were at a family function one time and, um, my husband's cousin's wife, <laughs> uh, actually suggested to me, like a lot of people do virtual assistant online. Why don't you try it out? So I looked into it. I got my first gig within two weeks and it didn't pay well. <laughs> it wasn't a lot of hours. So I realized that I could, uh, stack a couple of these positions and, and I could do okay money wise. Um, I could do it, you know, whatever I wanted. And I think a combination of my husband going into the military and us having to move and in the fact that I wasn't landing any interviews, although I had two really decent degrees, that was kind of the rise of the gig economy, you know, at that point in time around 2010, 2011. So when that happened, that for me, it, it was the perfect storm. It really kind of pushed me into doing freelance work when being a freelancer and, and not having stable income was like never in my plan. <laughs> right. So you had the teaching degree and the writing degree marketing. Was that a happy accident too? Cause I can see how that would segue in pretty well. It was a happy accident because I started working for this guy, um, for his, a digital agency, you know, a marketing agency. Um, he needed someone to write and I'm a pretty good writer and I write very fast. So people are, were really excited to give me like a set amount <laughs> instead of an hourly yeah. because I, I could bang out, you know, two or three articles in an hour, depending on the topic and you know, what part of the research was, was already done, things like that. So, um, he really, really liked my writing. I started becoming in charge of all this, this content. Um, and one of his things was like, if I'm going to pay you, you need to know about marketing. So I did the free um, inbound marketing training with HubSpot. Okay. And it's at, yeah, it's actually a lot <laughs> to do. Um, I think I failed it first time, maybe the second time. It took me two or three times to pass it because I'm not a good test taker and I swear HubSpot's out to trick you like those questions aren't always intuitive so I I took that and then I was like yeah this this makes sense and and I can do this and so it just it all really started to click and then I kind of I didn't move away from the writing but I realized that there's so much more and the writing that I was doing kind of played into this bigger picture of what attracts consumers to brands and, you know, what helps brands actually grow. You know, I think marketing, as a person who has my own business, marketing and branding are two dirty names. And <laughs> yeah. 
because it's scary and you don't know and you don't feel like you can do everything and you're excited about the business, whatever that is, that the marketing and branding, that's very peripheral and you can know that it's important and not have any idea what to do, which makes you feel dumb and nobody wants to. And branding seems so much like the colors and the font and it's far yeah. more about the language that you use. And, you know, I, I personally don't think anybody can very easily write the content on their website themselves. It's an outside perspective mm -hmm. that writes it because it's, it's not just third person. It's very outside perspective. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's brilliant that you say that. I okay. think so many small business owners undervalue marketing. I think all business owners undervalue marketing. And the, the problem with that is that that's the growth. You can have pretty colors, but if your language is terrible and confusing or it puts people off and you're not, and, and you're the best at what you do, but nobody knows, it doesn't matter that you're the best that ever was. People have to yeah. know. So you, you slid into marketing more than writing. Do you still do both though? I still do some writing for my clients, but it really depends. So when I started my business, I felt like there was this gap. You've got marketing consultants who consult businesses, maybe create a, a marketing plan or a marketing strategy for them, but they don't execute on it. So they have like this wealth of information and they kind of like dump it on the business owner. Business owner's excited, but then when they step out and try to do it on their own, they're like, holy shit, I have no idea what any of this actually means mm -hmm. or, or how I'm going to do it. And then you have the agencies, which they're, they're, they just burn through clients. You know, they've got some good results that they can put forward that really sells people on working with them. Um, but ultimately, they're into making money for themselves. They're not trying to make money for your company. And that's my experience when I worked for my friend, actually, is that it was just, well, you know, I, I don't care if they're not happy with that. We're just, we'll just sign another client. And that broke my heart because these small business owners or even startup founders, they're investing a lot of their own money. They're investing a lot of time into making this business work. So the idea that, you know, it just doesn't matter if, if they're getting results or it just doesn't matter if we're going too slow on getting the website up because we'll just get another client. It matters a lot to them because they have very limited resources to make a go of this. So if they don't get it right the first time, they may be in a lot of trouble. Um, and I really wanted to, to work in a way that, first of all, that I felt was that had integrity because I don't think that everybody does that and it bothers me. But also, I, I wanted to have a more intimate relationship where I could be a partner for these businesses instead of just somebody who executes you know, certain tasks for them. And to me, you know, you, you'd have to ask my clients, but to me, I think that makes all the difference because they feel like they don't just hire me as a contractor. They feel like I'm actually on their team. And I work on everything from their marketing to their business development. And just having that strong relationship, it, it means everything to them when they're in that stage where they're really trying to make a go of it with their business. I think there, we've been so inundated 
first of all, when all of the ads started happening on social media, I mean, if I get one more email a week from Facebook about how <laughs> great my post is doing, you know, you can do a lot. You can do everything with the right kind pay. You can put your money in the yeah. right ways and make a big difference. And I don't feel personally that those are necessarily the right ways. Um, but we're so inundated with pay here, pay here, pay here to grow, 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 you know, and yeah. I know a coach that didn't know what they were doing for two years and felt lost and confused and then had a moment on the beach and then epiphany and now they're awesome. And I'm not saying that those people aren't awesome, but a lot of them are not. And it's so hard to swim in this sea of inundation of people who can help you when the majority of them don't know what they're doing, can't help you and don't have your best interests at heart. And to stand, to rise above that, you know, you, you've used the word integrity several times, but I feel like you actually put yourself in those, their shoes. Like you feel for these people. Yeah. You, you know, you're very, very on board. And um, a, a lot of people aren't. There's a lot of stuff out there that's not like that. So it's always yeah. refreshing when you find someone who um, really wants them. And I've been on your website, which is awesome. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. It's really good. Um, you are you on? The, are you on the new one? Are you on the SeanArmitage.com one? Yes, I am. Yeah. That's pretty new, so it's exciting to hear you say that because it it's um, it's much different than what I had been doing when I started the business last year. Well, it's very happy and it's very easy to navigate. <laughs> so, like, I love breaking down websites. Um, I love floating pictures and not some of the colors and stuff that aren't absolutely necessary. But what I like is you really talk about what drives you and what your story is and who they can, who people can talk to to get information because you can say you're awesome every single day, all day. But if if some people don't hear it from the your clients, you know, it's better from the clients and you have a lot of that. Um, so I love testimonials because if I'm hiring somebody, I'll actually get <laughs> them. And your services and you actually talk cost. Now, mm -hmm. I, I want to address that because that is one of the most difficult things, I think, for small business owners who, and you're a small, you're a small business owner helping other I small am. business owners. I mean, you have focused on the people that are startups. You're not looking for, I, I, mean, I was just going to say Coca-Cola because you said you're a lover of Coca-Cola. So I know that that's where that I'm came from. I'm obsessed with Coca-Cola. <laughs> But you're not looking for huge corporate clients. You are focusing on no. small startups with little money and no idea what what to do. And although you know what to do, you're a small business owner also. So you it res it's got to resonate with you. There's you know there's when I started, I never you know some people are like I was an entrepreneur since I was eleven and selling lemonade and you know doing this that and the other thing. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just wanted somebody to give me a paycheck and do something that I thought was fun. So when I went out and, and did this entrepreneur thing, um, I was clueless. I had no idea how to be a business owner. I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I had a lot to learn. I've had issues with accountants. Um, I had my, my business not structured properly. So I actually had to have, um, have an accountant who's fixing that for me right now. Um, one big thing, 
you know, and, and I'm going to let you in on, on this little secret is that my probably first year in business, I flopped around everywhere. <laughs> and that's why you see the new website. Um, I, I, I knew the marketing part, but I didn't know the business part. And one thing is that I knew who I wanted to serve, but I didn't know who I actually should be serving. So I really tried to serve female entrepreneurs in the beginning because I was just so passionate about the experience that I was having. I wanted to pay it forward. I wanted to help people in that way. But it just, just didn't click. I don't know if there's just too many gurus out there or business coaches out there, but I was making no progress. And I ended up having two businesses find me. Uh, one came to me from a co-working space I was working at. And funny enough, um, one of them had been working with my old boss and they remembered seeing me and they're like, you know, you, you seem pretty cool. You seemed like you knew what you were doing. Can we talk? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I got really lucky. These two clients literally fell into my lap and that they're both startups. They're both early stage startups that have some funding, not enough to actually hire a marketing person full time. And then I just had this aha moment, like, this is who needs me. So instead of going after other female entrepreneurs, instead of trying to, you know, build this online presence where I can, you know, do marketing with female business owners, I'm going to focus on startups. If I get to work with female founders, that's just an extra bonus because there are not a lot of female founders out there. Um, but it, it really, it took over a year of going to networking events and trying different <laughs> things on social media and, you know, all this garbage before I was at, I actually found, you know, my sweet spot. I think that's so common. And I, I mean, I think when you're a new business and you really want to help other new businesses and you're really trying it does take a while and we're not good at everything i mean i need my cpa oh my god i would like mm -hmm. I, I can't do her job but she's yeah. her own business and i i mean i i accidentally heard about her 15 years ago and she happens to be a woman who's a single mom mm -hmm. who works from her house who is an incredible cpa and i love her and you know but God, what, what would I do without, you can't be everything in your business. And that's what you're saying to people who are startups and need marketing. You know, my CPA is yeah, saying, and I think, saying that. Yeah. I think startup founders actually realize that more than the regular small business owner does. Because startup culture, you know, if you want to get funding, they want to see your team. They don't want to see that you took X, Y, and Z courses on marketing and you're trying to lead development and do the marketing, you know, and run the company operations all on your own. They want to see that you have a strong team and that you have people who have different skill sets actually owning the different parts of your business. Right. Or a small business owner, anytime I've had a consult with a small business owner, they're like, wow, I love you. I love what you do, but I, I can't afford it. And right. that's just kind of the mindset, like, I'm going to have to figure out how to do this myself. I'm going to have to take the course. I'm going to have to try to figure it out myself. And, and that's fine. You know, I never want someone investing money in me that they truly don't have. 
but it's just a different mindset where the startup founder is like, I absolutely need your skill. And the small business owner is like, well, I can probably figure out how to do this on my own. Yeah. Yeah. They, and if they can, that's great. I'm a do it yourselfer. I'm a chronic do it yourselfer, but I like to take courses to learn that I can't do it myself, but I have a better understanding <laughs> of it. <laughs> like I, I'm really not good at branding, but I, I understand branding inside and out marketing to like I know and I know that because I took a course thinking I could do it myself so I think right. some, sometimes some of us need that to realize that we get it and we don't know how to do it and that's okay but you're yeah. right there are different mentalities and people want to save money everywhere they can and I get that too now I do too. I want to talk about your on your services page you list how much you charge not everybody does that. It's like, please do the consultation because if you can just hook them into the consultation and you give 30 minutes of your time, you have a 60% conversion rate, whatever, whatever the formula is. And I know a lot of the time yeah. when you're on a consult with somebody and you like them and you understand it, you do want to spend the money more and you just, mm -hmm. but I don't like that. I don't like that because it makes me uncomfortable. Now I like you and I have to tell you I'm broke. Um, <laughs> and, but you list your prices, which is exceptional. I think especially women don't list their prices. They're afraid to, like, I don't want to put it out there. Maybe it's too much. Maybe you do it. So tell me how you got through that. Or if that was difficult for you, maybe it wasn't. I think that there are some good reasons to list your prices. I also think there's some good reasons not to list your prices. I, I've kind of experienced exactly what you just talked about where you're really excited about working with somebody and you had that conversation and then, you know, you're like, okay, I, I, I do want to do this. And then they tell you what the, the financial investment is going to be. And you're like, oh. I can't mortgage my house this yeah. month. Like I got four kids to feed. Like, so some people, you know, and I saw this one particular woman who I actually really love. And, you know, one thing I've heard her say is that if she wanted to invest in something, she found a way to do it. And a lot of people will be like, open up a credit card or take out a small loan. And, you know, from my mentality, I'm not that far ahead in life yet where it's a smart decision to take out an investment like that for, you know, a business coach. Because maybe they're awesome, but there's a lot that, that aren't. Or maybe we start working together and we don't really buy. Um, so I just, I like to treat other people the way that I like to be treated. So if people take a look at my pricing and they're like, nope, <laughs> then, then it's best that we don't get on the phone call and either way, because we're both busy people and, and it doesn't, it doesn't pay to, to waste anybody's time like that. Um, and I don't like being salesperson. I don't right. like trying to have to convince you that you need me because the truth is you don't. There's other people out there who do what I do. Um, and what I've found is that a lot of small business owners, they get totally freaked out by my pricing. But when I talk to these startup founders, they're like, oh, that's totally reasonable. So uh, I don't yeah. want to fight for the small business owner who is like, oh, my God, that's scary. When, you know, when I'm in front of the person who's right for my company, the person that's right for me to work with, they don't blink an eye at my pricing. Exactly. No, I love it. I think, I think it's fantastic. Tell me, and you're right, because if, 
if I looked at it and I was like, oh, I could actually figure that out. And I think people figure out a lot more than they realize if it's a priority. Yeah. You're right. You, people will figure it out. Um, I think there's a limit to that, but you are 100% accurate. <laughs> yeah, there, there is definitely a limit to that. But um, I love that you put it out there because you're right. If, if I'm a new business owner and I really know I need marketing and I look and I can't do it yet, but also if I love what you do, I can reach out and say, hey, what you have doesn't fit. Can we talk about maybe something else? And it would open up a completely different discussion that would actually probably be mutually beneficial instead of, you're right, wasting your time. So, yeah, that's why I offer the consulting options because my like highest tier, my monthly retainer is just not affordable for small business owners. So I've got consulting options where we can work together on, you know, a smaller basis, but, but you're absolutely right. It's got to be a good fit for everyone. That's honestly why I don't do monthly contracts, which I was talking to a potential client one day and they were just blown away by that. So listen, I'm not here to trap you. I don't want your money for six months. If by month three, you, you don't feel good about our work together. And that makes it really easy for people to get started with me because if they're done after 30 days, they're done. Um, but I've never had anybody work with me for 30 days and then quit. Um, so just not forcing people into it on track um, has actually been a, a really good decision for me and for my business. I think it's awesome. So you've had several, you haven't, you've pretty much, once you inadvertently fell into marketing, um, you pretty much have stayed there. So I know you said you were all yeah. over the place initially. I get that in business and trying to figure out who your target market is and what's the best way to present yourself. I think most of us struggle with that. But what other, yeah. because your website, your website has changed. So it has. <laughs> what's changed with that? Because I, I don't, I haven't been on your initial website. So when I first started, um, the website was makingmoxie.com. Um, and that's still up, but it's actually going to be redirecting to shaunaarmitage.com soon. So when I first started, I didn't know how I felt about going out under my own name. Um, I felt like I, I needed to have a brand. I needed to have a company. And that's kind of what I shot for. And it all... It all made sense to me at the time. Um, and I didn't want to just have another marketing blog. Like everybody's got a marketing blog. <laughs> um, and it, it just, it's so saturated out there. So I wanted to talk about something that was important to me. So I started writing a little bit about marketing, a lot about female entrepreneurship. I had managed the editorial for the company that I worked with before. So I had some contributors who still wanted to work with me and, and wrote for my new blog. and that was that was a great experience um but it got to the point where the female entrepreneur stuff again as much as i was really passionate about it it just wasn't clicking um you know i wasn't attracting people uh i, I wasn't selling you know any of my consulting i wasn't selling any of my big packages and you know this year i hired a creative lead and you know, she's like, you do market research for your clients all the time. Reach out to your, your clients, reach out to your audience and, and figure out what, what's missing. 
And overwhelmingly, they said, I didn't even know making moxie was a thing. You know, like somehow I got connected to you or somehow I have heard about you and I wanted to work with you. And that was kind of the point where it was like, wow, I'm, I'm hiding behind this brand name. People actually value me and what I bring to the table. So it was a really hard decision because making moxie has such cool connotations um, and a lot of people do really like the brand name, but ultimately, um, I, I am my business. I'm my skill set, and, and um, that's what people really value about what I bring to the table. So I decided to kind of come out from, <laughs> from that cover and really make the switch to owning it that, you know, I am the face of my company. So you had a team with making Moxie. Do you still have the same team now or how did that? I didn't, never had a team actually. Uh, I had contributors. So I had a bunch of oh. women who contributed to the blog. Um, and I, you know, I had freelancers here and there for maybe a design project or whatever needed to be done. But I was definitely a one woman show. I, now that I'm, I'm, you know, Shauna Armitage, now that I'm myself, I actually do have a team. <laughs> I have two girls who work for me part-time. Um, and, you know, like I said, one of them is my creative lead. Um, and one of them is my content lead. Uh, and, and they're just fantastic. And that was a huge step for me in my business because I wanted to make sure that I was generating enough revenue before I hired someone. But hiring people has been really helpful in taking a lot of things off my plate um, and helping me move forward at a, a really strong pace. And I thought I could do a lot of it on my own and a lot of it I could, but there was just kind of a, a point in my growth where it didn't make sense to do it all on my own anymore. Yeah, I get that. It's, I mean, and because you get that, you understand it from your client's perspective too. Yeah. You know, there's, a, I think there's a lot of people who are at the point where they really need help, but affording it is hard or letting go of things is hard. And that transition is kind of awkward in the beginning. And um, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been a virtual assistant for years and I do it online from my house and people still have trouble letting go of it. I'm not taking over anything. I'm just helping to reduce the load a little bit, taking care of that. Mm -hmm all the little extra stuff. So I understand it from both perspectives, just like you do. So give, let's, now you've been with the same guy for over 10 years now and four kids later. So yeah. I want to update that. <laughs> uh, is it still as much fun? Is what? Is it still as much fun? It is as much fun. Um, it's just different, you know. Yeah. Um, the beginning of the relationship, it, it, it was fast. It was a whirlwind. And, you know, the beginning of the relationship is, is always very exciting. And we have this interesting thing where we were together for about a year before our son was born. We were together for only, you know, seven, eight months before I got pregnant. So kids have, have having a child around has always been a part of our dynamic. So we'll have to see if we still like each other. We still have anything to say to each other when they're out of the house. But um, <laughs> we actually went uh, on a, a short weekend trip for our anniversary. We went snowmobiling and did some hot springs. And it was just, it was so much fun to be able to do things together. And I think ultimately 
we just really like each other and enjoy each other as people. So, you know, no matter how much time goes by in our relationship, the fact that we're, we're still friends is what yeah. is always going to keep, you know, our relationship called being strong. I love that. I want to do the update because I knew it had been more than 10 years. So, I mean, that's yep. a success separately. Is he still military? He is. I think that he's going to be military for forever until they make him retire. That's awesome. And moving now is a lot easier for you because your community, a lot of it is online. It, it's a lot easier in terms of my job, you know, because yeah. I don't have to look for a new job where I go. When you say moving is easy, we have a zoo. We've got two dogs. We've got four kids. Um, when we first moved, we didn't have furniture. We didn't have a couch. So moving was not that hard. Now we're, you know, more established as a family with um, our, our growing brood and everybody's got, you know, a dresser and a bed and all that stuff. So I'm dreading the physical part of moving next time. But I'm actually really looking forward to it. We're in Colorado now, and I love it. Colorado is awesome. But I'm a traveler at heart, and I'm really looking forward to, to the next adventure. Right. I loved it. I, you know what? I didn't like everywhere we lived in the military, but I wouldn't have known if I had never gone and tried. And I probably would have never tried if I yeah. had been in the military. Yeah. I mean, I, it was so much fun. That Bless you. It was so much. <laughs> it was it was really. Um, if you have an adventurous spirit, it was really fun to go places for a couple of years and find out. No, I this is not where I want to stay, but I'm really good at the experience. So, yeah, and that's well, the thing. I, it's a couple of years. So it, if you I don't know. like it, then you you get to move on. You're not stuck. And you know that you don't like it. I mean, I would have never known what the South was like if I hadn't lived in two different places in the South. And that I am a damn Yankee at heart. And um, so the South probably, <laughs> they, they don't like me equally as much as I was uncomfortable there. But there were so many great <laughs> memories. Even though I'm like, I would never live back there again. I have awesome memories of it. It wasn't like this big, horrible, terrible, I cried myself to sleep every single day. It was just not probably the best fit for me. But yeah, I, I loved that I got to know that. So yeah, I love that attitude. Now, I would like to end on you giving those new business owners and startups some advice mm -hmm. or things that will make their life a little bit easier. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first thing that I would say is there's a lot that you don't know that you don't know. And you can't find solutions to problems that you don't know exist. So find a mentor, you know, whether it's LinkedIn, maybe somebody you had worked with previously. You know, if you're new to business, figure out what needs to be done in your business. Talk to, talk to an accountant or a CPA. If you can't hire somebody for marketing, at least pay for a consult so you can learn a little bit about the strategies that you need to do. Um, you know, invest in your success early on, even if it's just in these small ways, um, because you much rather figure out that stuff in the beginning the best that you can than be in business for a while and then feel like it's not working and not right. really know why. 
So I think that that's really important. And especially if you're going to work from home, go to a co-working space or have a day out where you meet friends for drinks because, you know, and I can say this unequivocally with four kids, I love my babies, but sometimes I just need to be around adults and I don't get that working at home. Amen to that. Oh my gosh. I get that too. We're at spring break right now and I work from home and I don't want to feel like you don't want to feel as a business owner that you can't wait till spring break ends so your kids go back to school so you can have Sienna. You don't want to feel that way. That sucks. It sucks. Right. Like I love the kids. I want them around. So finding, I think, do you think it's finding that balance and loving every place that you're in equally? But yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it you is. have to have that separation and you have to know when to hustle and you have to know when to give yourself some space. And I think for us as parents, that's more important than ever because I've seen people who are like, you know, they work 80 hours a week on their business and they wear that as like a badge of honor that they haven't slept in a year. Like, no, that that's not a good thing. That means that you're not doing things well. <laughs> like exactly. if you're doing things efficiently, if you're doing the right things, then you shouldn't have to put in that much time. You know, you should be able to work a regular work week and still have time for the important things in life. Amen. Okay, we're going to end there. Thank you so much, Shauna. Thanks for having me.